Good evening, godless sodomites. Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Excommunication Station. I'm your host, Chads, and today we have another episode in the Voices series. Today, I'm joined by my friend, Tim. Tim and I go back a long time. Uh, He was at the second church that I attended, and we attended the same church from about seventh grade until probably about close to the first year of college, but um, from, from our talking, you'll realize that we kind of went our separate ways after that. But Tim became a pastor, and now he is uh, no longer affiliated with the church. Um, and we talked about that in length. Um, I want to thank him for coming on and being so uh, open about everything that happened with him and why he walked away from the faith. And uh, you're going to hear some rough edits in this probably because Tim and I talk about a lot of stuff from our past together. And um, I have to edit out a lot of the names and places just because both Tim, Tim's parents and my mom are both still uh, involved in the church and kind of run in the same circles. Yada, yada, yada. You know the drill. That's why everybody that comes on here is they don't have to use their real names. And neither do you if you want to come on. And I hope you enjoy this episode. But before we get to the interview with Tim, we have to do the most important thing, and that is to pray to our Lord Jesus Christ. So everyone, bow your heads, and if you're driving, let Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, take the wheel. Father, we pray over the electrical systems. We pray over the electricity will not go out in this building in Jesus' name because of storms or any other reason. I just pray over this equipment. We speak over the PowerPoint presentations, all of the video projectors, and we say, devil, we know what you love to do in meetings like this, and we say, you will not, in Jesus' name, you will not prevent this message from going out. No microphone problems in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, we speak that. All right, today we're joined by my longtime friend, Tim. Tim, how are you? I'm doing well. Good, good. I've, Tim and I have known each other for, who, close to 30 years, maybe? 28, 28 maybe? Something like that, mid-90s. Yeah, Yeah, the mid-90s, somewhere around there. Um, Tim and I went to the same church. I don't even know if I should give out the name or not, but we'll just say we went to the same church, uh, for quite a long time, formative years. Uh, some people might say, (laughs) I remember the first time I met you was in Sunday school and it was in one of the pastor's offices, I think. Okay. You remember where they knocked out the one 
they knocked out that one office or whatever and we they built the youth room in there oh yeah yeah i think there was a office next door that they had our uh because it was junior high our little get together at uh yeah so i think that was the first time i met you yeah and uh i don't know what your first impressions of me were so let's hear them (laughs) (laughs) i i wish i could remember uh yeah (laughs) but you know i think at, at the time we were really really different um just culturally speaking, even like into very, very different things and our interests kind of, I kind of caught up to you, I guess, in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah. You, know, I, you got me into, you got me into some great music. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. you, know, got in, you know, I was listening to some pretty crappy uh, Christian music that I was only allowed to listen to due to my family constraints. And uh, you provided an outlet for me to get into like punk and ska and metal Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. You're not the first person to tell me that. And I'm like, I, a a lot of this podcast is dealing with self-doubt and like, I'm just kind of like, oh, wow, I did that for people and I need to kind of take ownership of it. (laughs) So this is, this is all dealing with therapy over the years, but um, we had a pretty interesting church dynamic. Let's see, junior high, did we have a youth leader at all? Um, Were you in youth group one yeah so yeah yeah who interestingly enough contacted me recently yeah i want to talk about that uh but uh um let's see we had a youth group uh that we went to but i want to say there was a youth leader before that but i don't really remember off the top of my head so i guess we can start from 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 that point because that was kind of like the start of high school right yeah maybe it was yeah because i don't think we really talked too much that first like seventh grade i mean i was i was really uh introverted and very like didn't really want to talk to anyone um there's a lot of reasons for that but uh yeah i don't really remember coming out of my shell too much until i kind of hit high school time so that kind of makes makes sense if i don't remember too much of that but uh yeah we we had the same youth group leader which uh we've both thought of in retrospect was was very problematic would you like to delve into that a little bit without giving specifics like specific names or anything like that um yeah i mean there were some questionable you know activities that he um you know he delved into um in terms of goofing around with the youth group and um I don't know if I want to get into uh, specifics, um, but in terms of, you know, crossing boundaries that youth group leaders um, should not be cr- crossing with kids. You know, at the time as a kid, you know, you don't really think about, you think something's off, you know, you don't really think of, you know, okay, this is different. Um, but, you know, as I got older and I look back at those times, I'm like, you know, that definitely should not have been, Oh yeah. 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 And I think that's what, what I'm dealing with a lot now that I'm, I'm older and and looking back on this, I'm just realizing some of the, the fucked up stuff that happened. And like, this was like one of them, but it was really subtle, but it wasn't, if I'm looking at it in my eyes now, it's not like, it's, it's pretty overt. It's way over the line of, of, you know, whether the intentions were there or not, 
it's definitely it's definitely over the line and if i as a parent if i had those things happen to my kid i would have lost my shit um and it's weird like having this retrospect of you know what was right and wrong and and now we have to learn how to try to fix that i would be interested in hearing other people's perspective of like that time period of of what was going on but i mean outside of you and going to be on the podcast at another point in time i don't really have any context uh of of what or don't really have a way of knowing what other other people thought about it well and i uh you know i had actually reached out to a former youth group leader at the time to see like in retrospect what my um you know what if my recollection was correct and how they felt about it it's funny the people that had actually had you know the persons that were affected more directly from some of the behavior they, and maybe it's because they're still in the kind of the institution and the system. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, they, they didn't view it as, you know, strongly as I did, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, this particular uh, leader reached out to me recently. Um, and, and he uh, wanted to sit down and have a, a chat with me um, because he's worried about the direction I'm heading in, <laughs> you know? Um, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, and it's because we got a little tussle online where I, where I called him out and uh, yeah, yeah. I know about that. Yeah. Did did it probably not in the best way, but (laughs) I did it anyway. And anyway, anyway, uh, you know, kind of shared how uh, a pastor that we both had, you know, serious issues with affected him and treated him like garbage as well. Yeah. Um, and it's just so interesting how it all tangled together, you know, like even the people that are in some of these positions and stuff, and you know, they're, they, they're dealing with the messed up garbage as well. And, and, uh, you know, I, I said that I didn't want to sit down and, and, and have a conversation that I kind of, you know, w- way past that. And I, I don't want to be saved in a, in a lot of senses. Yeah. Uh, he unfriended me on Facebook. Yeah. Um, a long time ago. And then we had that tussle where I actually, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't apologize for, you know, calling him out for those things, but I did apologize for like the manner in which I did it in a public forum. And um, he, you know, he all out of the blue messaged me and um, was said he was thinking about me. And I'm like, well, why, why are you, (laughs) you know, what's going on in your life right now that you're thinking about me? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so in any case, yeah, uh, you know, we had a decent conversation. Like I never had issues with him directly myself, but like yeah. we're talking about some of the things that happened and, you know, he, he chalked it up to being young. And I don't mean, I don't know how old he was when he was, I think he said he was in his twenties when he was doing youth group uh, with us. Maybe, but, but he, he looked old from, like even uh, at like, as I'm thinking about it now, I'm probably maybe late twenties, early thirties, but yeah, I mean that's not an excuse. No, absolutely but, not. You're old enough yeah. to know that that's not <laughs> appropriate yeah. ways to act. Um, but yeah, uh, so yeah. That, I thought that was interesting that they he reached out and you know and 
I'm like, okay, I, I don't yeah. know why I'm doing this. And, <laughs> well, first of all, he started off the conversation like, where do you live? And I'm like, I'm not telling you where I live. <laughs> I live in your head, apparently, because you're messaging me. So, <laughs> like, how, you know. Why do you start off a conversation like, where do you live now? That's not really how you should start off a conversation, considering like, I kind of know what political leaders you support. And I don't want any of those leaders. Only those yeah, people know yeah. where I live after January 6th, you know, like, <laughs> I don't trust anybody. <laughs> yeah. I don't blame you. That That's actually a, um, something we talked about when we were doing this podcast, me and the other two people were doing it with me of like, do we want to use a real, our own names? And like, and we were concerned and like, we were just like, well, when we have people on, you know, like guests or whatnot, we'll ask them what name they want us to use if they want like some an anonymity or whatever, whatever the word is. So, but yeah, I, I completely hear, hear you and feel you on that. This one leader was pushed out of that leadership role eventually after our head pastor had left the church or got, or transferred. That's right. He transferred. And then uh, and I actually liked him a lot. I don't know how you felt about uh, Pastor R. We'll call him. I liked him and his family a lot. I was not really, really upset as a kid. I they... remember being very upset when he left. Um, I I felt like our church kind of imploded from that point on. But uh, yeah, I remember being upset when he left. And then his assistant pastor left. I really admired and uh, looked up to at the time. Uh, and that was, that felt like even a bigger blow, um, losing him compared to the other, other guy. I don't know how you felt about that. <laughs> well, you know, what's interesting at the time is, um, the assistant, you know, my dad was an elder in the church. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, I got to hear kind of like a, a lot of the background stuff going on. And as a kid, you know, I mean, I understood what you know what my what was being described to me and being taught to me as to what like leadership was and and how a, a leader should act etc and so when i was a teenager you know i wasn't at the critical thinking formative that didn't come until i was like starting questioning things didn't come until college for me yeah uh, so i I, th I just accepted it you know and i was like okay that makes sense and then like years later i look back and i'm like he got pushed out for the most minor of infractions. Um, you know, and I don't know if you, you I know, don't. You, and now I need to know. <laughs> um, from what my, my recollection is, is that he was at a diner and he was upset about something and he, you know, he was cursing like you oh know god yeah like you know i think he dropped the f-bomb i'm not sure you know i you know i want to be careful and to, you yeah. know all the, there's you know my this is my recollection as, as a teenager so if, you know if any of these people were talking about you know come across the, the podcast just kind of re remember that this is how these are the details that i knew which were limited yeah and from overhearing what my parents were talking about. And I, and my dad was on the wrong side of that too, I think. Um, and I, you know, I don't think he'll ever listen to this stuff. I'm sure. <laughs> Even if he does, oh, well, you know, um, yeah, yeah. I, I love my dad, but you know, we, we tussle too. And, yeah, uh, yeah. but, but yeah, like looking back at that, I'm like, and, and it was described to me as that he had some sort of anger issue. And I never saw that 
from him as an individual. Um, but I, you know, he wasn't a person that was like, I was much more connected to the, the head pastor than the assistant pastor. Like I yeah. liked the assistant pastor, but it was, it wasn't a big, um, I can't say like I had a, a media effect on my life where I would just like, where the other pastor moving because I was close to his kids. Like yeah. that, that just blew me up. But this guy, you know, and I look back, I'm like, really? That's how he, you know, and the guy that came in after him, you know, that became, was the pastor, um, was so much we, worse. Like, you know, I mean, talk like, about we, we probably yeah, would have yeah. been so much better if we would have had the assistant guy eventually becoming the pastor, you know? I mean, I, I don't know. I can, I can, because I was in contact with him after everything that happened. And I do remember the, the, just the, politicking inside the church when he he i say left but you know it's not it's never that simple um but i just not having that positive male role model growing up um unlike i always loved your dad and i always thought he was the cool like i always thought he was the nicest guy and you know having somebody like my stepfather and my father, who was absent, um, you kind of looked for that male role model. Um, so your father definitely was one. And this other pastor was one because he always checked up on me. And he was so down to earth. And that I think that was part of his problem. Because from if I if I remember, right, again, like you said, this is teenage recollection. Um he was a, a Vietnam vet, I think. It's possible. I don't remember. I don't he was remember. De- he was hard. He had some hard edges. Oh, definitely. I know he was a, a former, you know, AA recovery. Yes. And he he did he did a ton of street ministry. And when I say and street ministry, off. yeah, he did like feeding people and clothing them and like doing that shit that in helping drug addicts. And stuff right. like that. So and he went and that, on to like, I think he went on after that, like being pushed out from our church, doing some phenomenal stuff, yes. doing his own thing outside of a denomination. Yeah. In, yeah. In that area so, and doing great stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a feeling that if he would have stuck around, that uh, this podcast might not even be going on right now. Um, <laughs> I feel like that, that he would have had such a, uh, um, I don't know um role in my life uh just just from his his presence and the way that he i felt that he was the first person that one of the first people that reflected that uh what jesus kind of would do as a human you know completely not perfect in any manner but that mindset of that i'm gonna help my fellow man sort of sort of thing you know yeah. And I always admired that with him. And the fact that he got kicked out for swearing is something that I can see my mom voting for, you know, <laughs> that, you know? So, uh, yeah, I know my, my father, my stepfather, my stepfather was a, uh, um, deacon in the church during that. So, um, he was involved up to a point, but yeah. So, but yeah, so 
both of those pastors left the church and we were, I don't remember being pastorless very long. No, it didn't take, it didn't take very long. So we had this other pastor come in, uh, that, uh, decent sized family. Uh, do you know of his background at all? Do you remember that at all? All I knew was that he was a pastor in Maryland, I believe before he came. Okay. And then, you know, long after we, well, long after I left the church, then I think he, he stepped down from ministry and was doing like, um, I think he, ironically enough, I uh, think he was a teacher's aide to the former youth pastor that we were just talking about. (laughs) Um, And that that guy told me that was karma (laughs) because, you know, this pastor treated that guy terribly. Yeah. He was basically forced out. Yeah. Yeah, I remember him coming in that first Sunday and him giving me off, like, just the worst vibe ever. I didn't like him from the jump, and I don't know why. And, yeah, go ahead. Well, what's interesting that you say that is that at the time there was a huge battle going on in my family because my sister felt the same way that you just described. Just this, oh, okay, this vibe, and she she was um, I think she was probably around twenty maybe at the time. So she, you know, she just told my dad how it was, and my dad was on the side of you know bringing this guy mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. And my sister was, I, you know, I was thinking, I, you know, I didn't feel anything at the time. I didn't have any type of impressions or whatever, but my sister was very adamant about it and like, do not hire this guy. And she turned out to be right. <laughs> not that my opinion ever counted for anything, but I remember talking to my mother and stepfather after he had, had been there or even it might've been right after he had gotten hired or whatever. And I was like, I don't like him. And they did not approve of my opinion. Uh, So, uh, and then it came time to when, even if we fast forward quite a while, uh, where I told my mother and stepfather that I'm leaving this church. Um, This man is bad. Uh, He is not a good person and he is going to drag this church down and I can't be a part of it. And you're not going to listen to me. And like, nobody's listening to me. And uh, this is when you were away at college, I believe that like first year. And uh, yeah, I left. And then a couple, uh, nobody supported me. And then a couple of years later, my mom actually apologized. So uh, which does happen, I guess. Uh, I think the, not very many times she's ever apologized in her life to me. And that's one of them. So, uh, yeah, he did. He I don't know what it was. Did, has your sister ever said what it was? You know, uh, she may have at the time, but I don't I don't recall. Um, and, you know, she you know, she wound up she, he wound up hurting my family, you know, uh, my mom in particular. And, uh, you know, I think no, I dad, didn't. Oh, yeah. He he wound up acute. My mom was a secretary at that church for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know how long since I was a kid, since I was in grade school. And uh, he wound up, you know, 
um, accusing my mom of lying to him when she like called him out on something that he <sighs> did and just did the whole abuse of power. Like, you know, the, the thing that happens in a lot of churches where it's like, you know, you, you need to submit to my authority, you know, type of thing. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, my mom, uh, <laughs> my mom is probably the, one of the, one of the people that I have the highest admiration for. She's just a yeah. very sweet and gentle person. And she, you know, it takes a lot for her to be, you know, stand up and say, you know, this, this, you know, is not, is not right. And she, that's what she did. She did it out of integrity. And, you know, he, he, you know, called her out, you know, and basically kind of pushed her to resign. And that's when they left the church. That was when I was in college. And then of course yeah. I never, I never went back after that. Um, yeah. But yeah. So he, and he, you know, he, my mom wasn't the only one, your family, you know, it's others as well that, you know, the youth pastor would talk about the, what things that he said to him, um, that just, just did a lot of damage to a lot of people. And when you have, such an awesome pastor that we had for so many years in our uh, as teenagers and then yeah you know that that makes a difference between like that positive experience and taking a church that i i felt was you know it had its issues but i felt overall had a lot of positives uh to yeah. it you know and yeah. that's coming from again it's coming from a teenage perspective, <laughs> and a perspective. Yeah. you know i'm not an adult i don't know how i would have felt as an adult in that congregation if i knew what was going on behind the scenes. Um, but I will say this, like there was a dramatic change as you described. And, you know, when you're young like that and, you know, for you, it's not, like a lot of those places were like your outlets, Yeah. you know, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, you didn't have family to like the, you, you, you didn't have that structure. So it that's was a why way to get, yeah, it was a way to get away from, from that environment even even though it's not much better you know uh it's you know i'm out of that that type of uh out of the house basically um so yeah i valued it differently than other people and that's okay but it's um yeah it was i you know thinking about thinking back on it i think it was the way that he basically pushed his way into people's conversations and just that subtle way of like, I'm going to like somebody over there is having a talk. I'm going to bully my way into this conversation and try to dominate it really rubbed me the wrong way. And he did that with, with the youth group of just, we'd be standing around and he would just push his way in and try to figure out what we're talking about. And, and, and a very, um you know it wasn't a very caring way it was a way that said uh why are you talking about me like kind of paranoid um power trip narcissism kind of thing going on and um yeah i didn't like that and i didn't like that when he would come back to the youth room and i didn't like when he would insert himself into our youth group um and each time he did that i got i i got more and more resentful of him i guess and mm. uh yeah and it just every like the power trip uh was something that i kept seeing over and over again and the way that he would treat people and <clears throat> you know regardless of what i think of my stepfather the way that he would 
basically demand him do certain things, you know, um, like that he had never experienced before with any other church of, you know, you have to go here at this point in time. And, you know, if you don't do that, then you're in uh, dereliction of duty of, you know, whatever kind of military bullshit kind of thing going on. And, that, you know, that might be why you were able to identify it so quickly. You know, yeah, I, yeah. you know, other kids, you know, they weren't, they didn't experience those things. Like I didn't see it uh, right away. Um, but you had like a keen perspective and it just, it kind of just reminds me about how the institution sometimes doesn't allow the voices that can recognize those things to have the, the powerful voice. Oh, yeah. Things would be held so much more in check if, if, they would listen to people that you know can pick up on things because they've experienced abuse of power before you're seeing a lot of that with the southern baptist church right now with their uh sexual abuser issues they're having right now where they're not even like some people are pushing for not even allowing um uh the abused to have their say you know and they're trying to quiet them down something about him that i that i didn't like that i did like in the next youth pastor that we had after uh the first one got pushed out um uh i don't know how you felt about him uh not right now but like back then <laughs> oh man i had the same feelings like i had the same feelings about him as i did the the first pastor we were talking about um yeah i just he really was just everything you could want in mm-hmm. a youth i mean just for me personally I, he just i think he allowed for so many different types of kids in that room to have the voices that they needed and felt you felt loved and cared for and like that you mattered and it was a safe yeah. space all those kinds of things and i mean we had a pretty eclectic i thought youth group um we did of, of individuals and i, I yeah. thought it was tough you know you're always going to have and those types of environments like clicks, et cetera. But he had a way of just bringing everybody together. And yeah. I mean, he was successful. I've, I've always heard that about him, even after I left youth group where he went on to an, another church. Um, and he was not surprisingly, he was even more successful there. If you want, depending on how you, I guess you define success in ministry with the, the way people <laughs> do. But, but, I mean, he's, youth, you know, the youth, he, he built upon uh, you know, people, kids lives that, that were in difficult situations that really, you know, were able to find a safe space there and, yeah. and, yeah. and, and grow. And I, yeah, I, I love that guy. And, um, you know, obviously yeah. we've had some issues as adults, uh, but <sighs> you know, <laughs> that that's happened a lot over the last four years to a lot of us. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I don't know where I would be in life without him he did have that way of i don't know how he did it but you know we weren't we weren't um ethnically uh diverse but we were diverse in personalities and backgrounds and economic statuses and all you know all around it was it was very diverse you know just not there we were it was all white basically is what i'm saying but uh in different ways it was diverse but uh yeah, he had a way of of getting me out of my shell uh, because I was even even at the beginning of high school, I was very quiet. Um, but then even brought in somebody like me um, 
into our youth group who was completely out of left field uh, that we didn't, you know, we never, <laughs> you know, we didn't understand. And, but then also like other people, like the, the homeschool kids and, and uh, you know, the punk kids that came from the local high schools and everything. And, you know, so he did a really good job with that. And I felt like a part of a community more than I had ever felt with any other uh, group or school or, or church up to that point. Um, so, and I thought we did a lot of good things and we had a lot of fun and um, tomorrow I'm doing an episode with the, co- with the other two co-hosts about youth retreats and there's such a difference in the youth retreats that I went to that we, you and I went on and the ones I went with uh, when I was at for those uh for school and everything um drastically different um and i look back on our youth retreats with, for the most part with fondness uh and enjoyment um and wrecking my face on a snow uh embankment uh <laughs> <laughs> and and i remember this youth pastor in in the shower at like five in the morning and the shower was was really 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 small and like he could barely move and he was just screaming why is it so small and like <laughs> we're all cracking up laughing because we're we're thinking about him yelling at the side of his dick and he's <laughs> he's, he's he's can't move and he was a small man to begin with yeah. um so yeah uh, i remember those with fondness and um yeah uh I was, I had more fun on in youth group with him than I think with the other guy, even the other, even though the other guys was at his house um, instead of at the church, even after high school, uh, he was very interested in me and what I was doing. And I don't know if that's from my mom asking him to like, keep an eye on me or whatever, but uh, we would spend a lot of time together and like i mean like we would go out to eat like once a week and uh we would go to the movies together and i would go and hang out at his house uh he lived a couple like about half a mile from my house and i used to ride my bike there um and just hang out at his house a lot and he was the closest father figure i had uh for a long time and to feel the way that it, to, to see the way that it turned out, it breaks my heart and it, it upsets me, but um, I got to move on, you know, and uh, it's, it's hard trying to separate that past and appreciation to what's going on now. So um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, you know, and that's why I, it's kind of enjoyable as we're going through this is we have so many fond memories and um, you know, I think one of the things that's tough about kind of the religious institutions that, you know, you'll probably hear shades of of us and maybe we'll get into this a little later um, is, you know, we have critiques obviously of evangelicalism. That's what we grew up in. And um, you know, so many people within that movement that are still in that movement, when they listen to stories or our critiques, they, it, a lot of times it just gets dismissed as like, these people are angry. These people are bitter. But when yeah. you listen to like the, the, this podcast, for instance, you could hear the meaning 
and the like the things that we enjoyed about the experience like we're not going back and saying burn it all down and like yeah. it was awful i know some people have had those experiences but we haven't we can recognize like there, there the way you're describing your experience is like you wouldn't be where you are now without those pivotal people in your life and i think somebody i don't know if it was in a group i'm in on facebook or somebody asked me like or maybe i presented the question in one of my groups was um you know what is the one thing like what are the decisions you would have made differently if um you hadn't grown up in even juggles what, what would you have changed if you if you hadn't done that and then what are the things that you would have held on to like you're glad that you experienced it because it's so often it's, it's that mixture you know like yeah like those youth retreats i mean like the one you describe is probably the the one on the top of my memory you know yeah. like you know playing football in the snow and and uh you know tubing and the, like the camaraderie yeah like and and the the guys we're describing to about like now as adults you know depending on who we're talking about you know we have a mixture of <laughs> fond memories and then later on not so fond memories and it's just tough because you look at those experiences you see how valuable they were and how yeah. how easily they go bad too yeah yeah and i think the part that that those people are are what changed my life not the faith aspect of it and um i think that if this youth pastor was just a regular person and still did what he did it would still have had the same effect on me whether or not he was in the church or not um and you know what hurt the most with our split or whatever you want to call it um was that we would go out to eat just to hear each other's opinions about things and he would ask me about hey what do you think and then during this time was like the 9-11 and the the iraq war and and me and becoming more progressive and leftists or whatever and he wanted to talk to me about these ideas and how, and we were talking uh, how to navigate through religion and our faith and how to, um, and he didn't always agree with me, which was fine. And he always didn't understand it. And that's fine too. Um, and uh, then it comes to the point, fast forward 15 years or whatever, and I'm giving you my opinion and you tell me, straight up that I don't care what you have to say. I'm just like, all right, well, I can see our dynamic has changed and this is no longer what, what it used to be. Um, you know, uh, we used to value my opinion, uh, and want it. And, and we're in such a polarized state now this day that I can't offer my opinion. Um, uh, without it uh without it being seen as relevant i guess is the way i'm trying to navigate this so yeah that sucked and uh it it came a lot with the culture change in you know 2000 from from 2008 all the way up until uh you know where we're at now so uh yeah it's weird how that has changed where uh it's gone from I want to hear your opinion to your opinion is invalid. Um, 
yeah i don't know what changed so <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's tough and 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 so many people's um relationships have changed over the last oh know, yeah yeah i'm just, not saying yeah i'm not saying this as like woe is me uh oh no, no i wasn't yeah. implying that. <laughs> yeah i this is this has happened all over the place and my my story is not special in any any way you know but this has happened across families and across churches and across communities of you know where we're just not listening to uh each other's opinions anymore and uh yeah and where we once valued somebody's uh questions just because i'm not in the church anymore uh i'm no longer valid my opinions no longer valid or wanted so yeah and like introspectively i feel like because of that dynamic shifting it's changed it's changed me too um in the set in some good ways um and in some bad ways (laughs) you Um. know (laughs) you know i mean like it's just it makes me feel like you know if that's how it is then i feel the same way too about that person you know um and I, I don't know that that's a healthy way, but one thing that I do know, and I talk a lot about this with my wife who grew up in a similar type of environment. Um, I, I say to her, I, and she agrees with me, like growing up in a church, I didn't get taught the necessity of healthy boundaries. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, my God. That's I just talked about it in therapy today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we didn't learn boundaries. There were no boundaries. Right. And, and as a result, like, I honestly, I didn't even start really thinking about this until the last few years. Yeah. Like I'm almost 40 years old now. And oh, yeah, I know. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, like my life, I've made a of decisions or I've let people um, negatively impact me because I wasn't willing to set up or didn't know, honestly, that I should be setting up a boundary and saying, you know what? I, you, if you don't have to, you don't earn a special place in my life because of what you did previously. Like if you're going to treat me like this, why am I letting you to continue to do this? Like whether it's, it's harder to do with blood, with family, but whether it's family or friends, like we, we have to set up those boundaries. And these past several years have really taught me that, you know, sometimes you, you got to set up those, you got to set up those boundaries. And I wish I would have known that a lot earlier in life. Um, yeah, we, I, I was just talking in therapy about this with, with regards to religion um, and how religion and the institution and the church uh, all the way down to uh, the Sunday school teachers uh, where you, what you're be- supposed to believe is enforced on you um and if you have a question it's not um it's not valid or it's not um it's not important there's there's a number of things that it's not um but you're taught that you your your wishes are not uh respected at all you know there's no saying i don't want to go to church today or there's no saying, I don't want to, I don't feel like singing today, or I don't feel like praying, or, you know, there's none of that, you know, you are, you know, uh, and then your attack on top of all that is all the guilt that you feel 
um, that comes along with it uh, that's pushed on you as well. So you have no framework of, of being able to say no to anybody. Um, yeah, and I've seen a lot of families abused by church leadership um, because they're not allowed to say no. <laughs> right. You know, so I completely get that. And like, yeah, especially over the past couple of years, I've had to cut or just accept being cut out of people's uh, lives and um, even family. And you know what? It's better for my mental health and uh, it is what it is. Um, and when this particular person told me this, um, instead of going off or, or, or yelling or, or take, like being vengeful or anything, uh, I just basically said, well, if that's the way you feel, that is what it is. And see you later, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and like, I, I don't need to stick around for, for, for you to tell me that again, you know? And, uh, so that's where, where we're at, you know, I'll see you later. <laughs> you're uh, you're in a healthier place than me. It sounds like in some respects, cause I still don't like, I let myself get pushed to the point where I'm just like, you know what, let me give you a piece of my mind. <laughs> I um, saw you that the other day with, uh, with one of our former friends. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Who I think of fondly still, just like driving at night with you two, going to see like Enemy of the State or uh, when we went out to uh, Shades of Death Road. Um, mm -hmm. Just like stuff like that, where I'm just like, I think of fondly, fond stuff like that. And then I see how they are now. And I'm just like, oh my God, like what, like what happened? you know <laughs> yeah and you know there's some backstory there as well yeah uh, the, the relationship had deteriorated for a few years now we were basically yeah. only on an acquaintance level at this point and out of the blue like i mean you know we hadn't even really discussed political stuff during you know 2016 yeah. run like and he, he wasn't like active but then all of a sudden in the fall he started going after my wife and I Ugh. on Facebook and just like, you know, the passive aggressive, you know, ha ha all, all, yeah. all any anti-racist stuff it was always anti-racist stuff. Um, and then he did it to one of our, uh, uh, one of my mutual friends with him um, that you didn't know. Um, but, you know, I, I got to the point where I was just like, you know what? And I've known several people that uh, quietly hit the unfriend button as well. And it's just, it just, that one, it was hard in some respects, not like hard at the moment, but looking back, like you said, that, that person was my best friend. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. yeah <laughs> my best yeah. friend. Yeah. Um, you know, that changed later on as we grow, we get, you know, I wound up having other best friends, but yeah, there's um, still, but there still should be some sort of foundation to, to put your feet on, you know, mm -hmm. to, to at least be able to be at least, you know, hospitable or, you know, I don't know, civil to each other, you know, uh, I don't know. It's yeah, so, it sounds, it's like so you're, con it, it sounds like you're further along. Maybe I need to go to therapy too. Like, <laughs> like everybody, you're just, 
Okay, everybody should go to therapy, even if you don't think you need therapy. And that is my my uh, my advice for the week. But yeah, uh, my youngest, my youngest, my oldest son is in therapy and he just does it because he has anxiety about school and stuff. It's just to talk about those sorts of things, you know, and it doesn't have to be because you were abused or, you know, or anything like that. So uh, that's my my push for mental health. Uh, for I, everybody. So, yeah, I think that's yeah. a great push. I think I am absolutely in agreement with you on that. Like, I, it just helps so many people. Um, yeah. And that's another thing that I'm seeing is that a lot of people that grew up in the church, their mental health uh, was not taken into account and uh, was pushed to the side and blamed on anything from Satan to uh, your lack of faith and you know or god is testing you um yeah stuff like that and it's uh it takes a while for it took me a long time even to step foot in therapy um because that's part of it that you don't need therapy you know and uh i think that that's what that thinking does because therapy is is all about self-growth and if you're in the church you don't really from from like a leadership perspective you don't really want to see your congregation growing um critically (laughs) um you know uh because then you start questioning things and why you do certain things and and yeah uh it's all connected and i'm enjoying it even though it's very painful at times uh after college, we kind of went our separate way, not even after college, after high school, um, maybe like a year after high school, we kind of went our separate ways. I know I left, I moved to Chicago and, and drifted off into obscurity, but yeah, uh, it wasn't until I moved to Chicago where I actually felt the empowerment to leave the church and, and uh, find my own path and to finally get away from it when was the first time you questioned whether you should stay or not and when was when did you finally leave well um so i was a pastor in the same denomination that we grew up in yeah for eight years um so 20 2015, January of 2015 is when I left. Um, And it was a really complicated, there were a lot of complicated things going on in my life in terms of finances and the state of the church that I was leading. Um, uh, it, It was, those eight years were some of the best years of my life. Like the church that Uh, It was a really small church, about 30 members, and it was like a family, and it was very open and very um, uh, embracing people of different perspectives. It was just the way that I wanted to lead um, as as a pastor, and the people really made it very easy for me because they were just some of the best people that I've ever met in my life. And uh, but it was uh, small churches are a struggle. financially and other reasons and the church got younger it was we were acting people in their 20s and 30s which also meant that they were more um they they moved a lot more for different jobs and so it was always in flux anyway long story short short toward the end of that reign is probably the last year 
is when I started wrestling with like key doctrines. Um, and why, um, like what, 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 what kickstarted that? Well, so I would say that probably the first one that I can identify off the top of my head um, was reading Rob Bell's Love Wins. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. No, book I'm not. Okay. No. So Rob, do, do you know, uh, I know you've been out of uh, <laughs> that point, but Rob Bell was a, was a pastor of a mega church in um, Detroit. And he's I like him long- already. <laughs> and uh, he wrote a book called Love Wins and basically kind of presented a universalist view of and went through the history of the doctrine of hell to show that the early Christians didn't necessarily believe in a fiery place of torment. And it was mostly, mm-hmm. you know, influenced by Dante's Inferno and other things. And so and even pointing out that C.S. Lewis didn't, you know, believe okay. necessarily yeah. in, a, in a fiery hell. So I read that book and I kind of, hell is one of those weird doctrines. I would say this about most Christians that I've met. They don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. They spend a lot of time thinking about it. It becomes problematic. Um, And I started really analyzing and thinking, man, this, I can't, this is not, if there is a God, this is not how a a God I can worship Mm -hmm. and a torture you know, most of humanity. Yeah. So um, actually, as a result of that, I was on, on Facebook um, kind of defending the book without revealing that I was agreeing with it, but defending it and just putting, hey, like some of these people you guys look up to and C.S. Lewis, these, these guys had like, didn't have like a straight orthodox view on hell either. And a pastor in the area contacted my um, district superintendent. Ooh. And... I had a little sit down. Um, So uh, the district superintendent um, who actually wound up moving on shortly before I resigned and he got a new one in. um, I had some run-ins with him um, and he, uh, you know, I almost got fired because I had a tattoo party at my church Um, (laughs) because I was really trying to change the the narrative and be like, you know what? we want to bring people in and we don't care what you look like type of deal. So anyway, toward the end of my time there, that's the first doctrine that really started the ball ball rolling. But when you're a pastor, you can't, you know, you you don't, you only scratch the surface of those things. So it was easy for me to kind of change my viewpoint on hell, even though the denomination held a certain view, I could hold a different view privately. And it wasn't something that I preached about really at all. My my as a pastor, so yeah, that's when it started the ball rolling. But once that starts rolling, you start looking at other things like total depravity. Um, that's when some doubts came in. But I I didn't really fully investigate until I decided to resign from my church. Mm-hmm. Um, and that had a lot more to do with just uh, being there for eight years and struggling and try. And I felt like maybe the people there there deserve somebody that could take them in a new direction because I, I felt like maybe my leadership was causing it to be stagnant because it wasn't growing. Um, and ultimately when I left, they took a vote and decided to shut the door, the doors of the church. Oh, wow. Um, and so that was the most painful experience of my life 
is um, one of my most painful experiences in my life was that when I resigned, I led them through the process of closing down the church, which was like a family to a lot of those people. Yeah. Um, and it's just economically a lot of different factors. It's just it was hard for them. They've been struggling before I got in there, et cetera. Once I left, um, it gave me the freedom to really kind of examine my beliefs. I, you yeah. know, I had those issues with the district superintendent, but the way our denomination was like, they kind of let you do your own thing as long as you stayed within the parameters. Like they were, you know, aside from my runs with him, I, I was still able to run my church in a more kind of, I guess, progressive way. Yeah. Uh, but the institution as a whole still bothered me. Um, and it, it bothered me for years. Um, and so when I left, I decided, well, if I'm going to stay in this faith, I can't stay with any evangelicalism. Like, and that's another, that was another difficult decision because, you know, I, I spent four years of school and thousands of dollars yeah, yeah, loans yeah. to do something that you're, since I was in youth group, I believe that was called do. I don't, you know, I don't know if you were, uh-huh. um, you know, even the guy that we didn't like all that much, he gave me chances to preach. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. Do. So yeah. like, this was all set. Like, this is what I was going to do with my life. And to leave that all behind, you're like leaving behind an identity. And it's, it yeah. was, it was tough. Um, but yeah, that that's what, then I was more free to like, really, I'm not a pastor anymore. I can like really delve into this and decide, do it, does, does this even represent what I think it is, you know, represents reality. And that, so 2014, 2015, which, you know, or 2015, 2016, I would say, is when I, you know, made I my... I vaguely remember you posting stuff about uh, leaving or not being a pastor anymore or something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, um, well, the way I had done it, too, is I wrote a series of blogs. Yeah. Uh, kind of chronicling those things. And I, I did it like an intentional way of like leading them down because I, I didn't want... What what the expectation was is that I was probably going to wind up becoming a you know go pastor somewhere else you know yeah. eventually like this was just a sabbatical Tim needs a break and I was coming to the conclusion that this was not that way and I felt like kind of the only definitive way to do that was to show people like a drastic change mm-hmm. because they don't they don't tend to believe you like even but then I've discovered they don't believe you regardless. <laughs> Like now, you know, they always have some sort of rationale, like they're backslidden, and like they'll, they'll return. Like there's still people that think, you know, I'm Christian uh-huh. and like, I'm just going through a time, you know? And uh, so, yeah, that's why I did it because I, you know, and I knew it would be painful for the hardest part is that I'm, I'm guessing it was probably painful for some of the, the people that I was pastoring at the yeah, time I'm sure. to, I'm sure it was tough for them, but I really felt like I needed to do it for just kind of set those expectations and let people know that I'm, I'm going in a different direction now. And that's, that was the yeah. critical year for me. Yeah. Um, how did, how did some of the people that we discussed take it if they knew about it? Did any of them reach out to you or say anything to you or? No, supportive, um, you know, not supportive. No. Uh, so the very first individual we talked to, um, the, the youth leader that, uh, he, you know, I was, he was like, uh, just, a, uh, we never really kept in contact 
after yeah. I left the church and we became friends on Facebook just because he knew who I was. And he never really um, said anything to me. I, I th- I'm assuming at some point he probably got tired of my post and unfriended me, but he never said <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so the youth leader that we really, really liked, yeah. um, he, before all this happened, um, I think while I was a pastor, I had expressed some like disillusionment with the church. And my goal was to push evangelicalism in a better direction. And he actually had called me up and had a sit down with me. And just like one of those things you described, like you would go over to his house or go out to eat somewhere. And he just wanted to hear what you had to say. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was probably the last meaningful conversation I had, which would have been a few years prior to my transition away from evangelicalism. But if he read any of my blogs, if he saw any of my statuses on Facebook, he didn't, he didn't reach out or say anything. The, the next contact that I really had to him, with him that was memorable was kind of the dust ups that you and I had with him online. Yeah, the pastors, yeah. I didn't really expect much of. I mean, I wasn't friends with either of them on Facebook. Um, so they wouldn't have necessarily known. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, m- most of the people that were close to me in my life in this area, um, there is one, there's one really, um, one person I really respect. He was the district superintendent at the time that I left. He had just, he'd only been on the job for a few months. Yeah. He and I disagree on everything politically. <laughs> he is conservative. He is conservative to the T. Yeah. But he was an anti-Trumper. He. To that. He, okay. Yeah. So even, even, um, you know, even when he was in Pennsylvania and a lot of his constituents in his churches were, you know, hardcore pro-Trump, he said some things that probably could have, you know, got him in trouble with those churches because he's very adamant that this, we need to represent, you know, we need to, yeah, you know, that, you know, the, 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 the right thing. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he followed up with me quite a bit. Like once every three or four months he would, if he was in the area, he would say, Hey, let's go grab some coffee. Um, and we're still that's nice. Yeah. So like, yeah. that's one guy um, that I still keep in contact with. He's actually in a higher echelons of uh, the, dis- the denomination now. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So he's in the, he's in yeah, the headquarters now. Um, I think he's VP at something, but in any case, he, uh, so yeah, but none of, none of our, you know, none of the people that I grew up with, um, I'm sure it, it, you know, I'm sure it was a shock to like people like our, the one youth group we were talking about, yeah, youth group we were yeah. talking about that we loved, like, I'm sure for him it was, but like, you know, you'd think that we got the response that we received over the last few years, uh, which was like, you're not basically that attitude of, I think we got kind of condescended down to like, it was, you guys are just bitter. Why don't you go do something about it and change it instead of complaining about it? That was, and that was during the time that I deconstructed. So I knew he wasn't a safe space because that was like right after I left the church. I left like, and that's sad because you're taking a person that, was one way like you described and now it's just like like doesn't understand that the painful experiences that people go through does not mean that their critiques aren't valid um, yeah and i the first chip in 
in all of this in in our our uh disintegration of our our relationship uh was when it might have been even a discussion between me and you or it was it was it was something and i had mentioned uh a story of when i went to washington dc with my family when i was younger and how it completely altered my way of thinking when i wanted to give this dude that was digging in a dumpster for something and my something out of the car my blanket or whatever and my stepfather told me that he would go spend it on drugs or alcohol like he would take the blanket somewhere and sell it um whatever he would get i don't know and that really bothered me and uh you know at the time i didn't really know why it bothered me but you know as i grew up it you know that that's not what jesus taught and you know that's not what you told me he taught you know and, and so the hip hypocrisy like was relevant at a very young age and um yeah when i told that story he kind of commented and was like yeah you always tell this story i've heard this a million times like it couldn't have been that uh, traumatic and or not, not that not traumatic. What's the uh, influential in my life. And I'm just like, Oh, well, fuck you, dude. You know? <laughs> I'm like, uh, I'm like, I know I've told you that story before. And you, and you looked at me and like, at least nodded your head and we're like, yeah, I can understand why like that would have had an impact on like an eight year old kid, you know? And uh, so that was the first um the first time it came in of this you know i once wanted to hear what was going on and now it's gotten to the point where uh we're so polar opposite that um i don't know like i'm i i can listen to you talk to me about why you think of certain things whether or not we agree or not <clears throat> and I might blow back on some of it, but like we can have a discussion. And uh, it got to the point where it was just like, I don't want to hear what you have to say anymore. And uh, yeah, so it's it was it was a very weird experience. And yeah, I um, yeah, I don't know if I've completely addressed it in in thinking about her or or going over it. Um, and just trying to weigh the impact uh, that this person had in my life compared to where it ended up. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure that'll be a nice topic for therapy in the future. So. <laughs> well, you know, the way, it's really gaslighting. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, you know, again, I, that's not, not a term that I even really understood or thought about until the past four years. Yep. Um, and when you see the people doing it that like this individual you're like now i kind of get why they're attracted to that that yeah particular uh, political leader like because you know um the the gaslighting is effective for them yes. like it is something that they they and i'm not even sure i don't think they're consciously aware of the fact that they are being gaslit or they're doing it themselves. I think some people are, and then some people just don't realize that they, they just are part of a system that does it already and they're doing it subconsciously, that's, uh, which is another reason why therapy yeah. is so good for everyone. <laughs> Cause yeah, uh, a good therapist will be able to 
pull that but, out right away. <laughs> yeah, my therapist and I talk about gaslighting quite often um, and how, especially as a kid and and because she specializes, one of her special specializations is religious trauma. And um, she's like, gaslighting starts very young as somebody brought up in the church and you don't notice it until you leave and just her going with small little things as children that were taught um and how we're gaslit as kids to, to the point where we don't see it anymore or recognize it anymore it's very true um and it takes you to step out of that comfort zone um, because it forms a comfort zone because that's what you're comfortable with and once you take a step outside that and look at look at it critically, you can finally see what it is. And yeah, um, that's a lot of the church and the in infrastructure and everything is just built on gaslighting people. And uh, yeah, like uh, you're not allowed to have questions about your own faith. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> especially at a young age, like how did all of the animals fit on the ark? You know, just like thinking of like logistically, that's impossible. And you're told, well, that's, you know, you're thinking of it. You know, you're not God. You can't, you know, you can't fathom what he does or, uh, you know, whatever excuse they want to make up for how all the animals fit on the ark. And you're just gaslit to believe that that's actually happened. You know, so uh, it starts off with the smallest little story. So, um, yeah. Um, it's something that, uh, very coming, very aware of over the past, uh, couple of years. So, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, for you now that you've been kind of, I mean, you're, you're, you've deconstructed, you've been out of the movement longer than I am. My, yeah. you know, is obviously much more recent, uh, you know, is it something that you even really give much thought to anymore? Like, um, I mean, obviously you do because you have a podcast. <laughs> like in terms of like, because I always tell people like, um, I'll always care some on some level about the movement. Like I'll, I, I don't give it a lot, as much thought anymore, you know, and that's just obviously a lot to do with every, everyday life. And I'm yeah. so far removed from a lot of those circles. Um, and also, given our national circumstances, you can't get away from it either. Yeah. Um, but I find my reactions to them uh, growing a lot differently now than I did even two or three years ago. Um, but I always tell people I'm always going to care somewhat about the movement because it's part of who I am. Like I can't change the fact that the way I developed, and I know some yeah. good people that are in the movement still. Um, and there's always like this innate, like part of me that I, even though I know it's not true, I want to see it become better. You know? I, yeah. I, I think that's, yeah. I think that's the only part of me that cares about the movement as you, as you put it, is that I want them to do better and I want them to be better and I will never go back to it. Um, you know? Uh, yeah. I, uh, I spent so long trying to forget and trying to distance myself and deny and uh make it into a joke or did not yeah i said deny twice because it what there was so much denying 
that I, you know, of the things that I went through or that I was a part of. And um, there's a whole aspect of, of the two other churches I was a part of before the one that we were a part of um, that I saw a lot of fucked up shit going on and that I guess hastened the departure um, to the point where I was like, I got like, this is, um, I don't feel right and I need to get away. And uh, that was part of the, the leaving the area to go to Chicago. And like, once I got out there, I was like, I didn't feel pressure to go to church on Sunday. And I didn't feel pressure to uh, be involved in something I didn't want to be involved in any longer. Um, and there was so much hypocrisy from what went on during the early 2000s that I couldn't stomach it anymore. Um, just from uh, the way I saw the church reacting in the late 90s, the social social progress and everything, it started to rub me the wrong way. And when every time I brought up a question about it, I was told I was wrong and uh, was told I was wrong by certain scriptures that were interpreted by certain people different ways. You know how that works. And uh, um, it was, you know, uh, so even at that point, you know, you're being told everything that you're feeling is wrong. And I was just like, no, I'm not wrong, you know, <laughs> and it came to a point where I needed to actually believe that and, and, and just leave it behind. And um, it's been a while. And but I think at this point now with the support of my therapist and um, uh, my my wife to a point because she doesn't understand any of this. Um, it's uh, it's gotten better into the point where I'm actually able to talk about this stuff um, because there's dude, I could I could tell you about church for days and days and like you would not even believe some of the stuff that went on uh, maybe you would just i don't know how shady uh the church ministry got for you but um there were there was shit that went on that was that makes me feel guilty even to this day that i was a part of um so there's a lot of trauma there and uh to this point in my life i'm like i'm moving on from it. I'm trying to heal from it and trying to uh, figure out why I am the way I am based on what happened in the past. And that's all through therapy. And the church was such a big part of my life that I can't ignore it any longer. And I need to figure out a way to get through this. And this podcast was a way to do it. Um, and just hearing other people's stories from Facebook groups and like these TikTok people that are coming out and putting up these amazing videos of stuff that they were taught to believe when they were younger um, really inspired me and that realized that there is an avenue for this, that people want to get this stuff out their chest and 
the last two people I talked to, they both sent me messages. They're like, oh my God, this was like therapy. And like, it was so therapeutic and, <laughs> and thank you for like, I want, it's so nice that like people can actually relate to me on this. And I'm like, okay, I'm doing the right thing, you know? So. Well, uh, yeah. And if I can interject, like, yeah, sorry, um, I went long winded there. <laughs> no, no, I appreciate it. I, I, you know, th- it's kind of odd catching up. You know, obviously we, we haven't talked to each other in 20 years, Yeah, but we've followed each other's stories on the, on the fringes and interact with each other quite often online. Yeah. And what I would say is like, you know, I was an introverted kid. I'm still, you know, I'm still an introvert. Um, yeah. But so we were both introverted and we wound up in the same circle of friends. But I remember one of the things I always appreciated about you was how open and just honest you were. Oh. Like, and, and <laughs> like that was, that was a breath of fresh air. Cause you didn't, you didn't see that in the church. Now I was closed. Maybe it's cause I was closed off and, and uh, I was an introvert and I'm, I've always been more of a cautious personality. Um, but I appreciate that. And I could see that kind of even coming through with this, this podcast is that it is refreshing for people. I don't know if you've experienced this, but it's really difficult if you're talking to somebody that didn't grow up in evangelicalism. I even see the difference, like people that I know that didn't grow up in evangelicalism that have the same reaction to um, that the previous president. Um, And it's so different than us that grew up with the Christianity behind it. Yeah. Yeah, It really is. (laughs) The response level isn't as strong. And it's because we know what we stood for. We know what those people proclaimed. Yeah. And we knew like the Jesus that they, they proclaimed to follow. And like, so as we're talking through this, it's just really, it's really cool because I see even online, like you're what's refreshing is like, you're open about stuff. And I think that's really helpful for people that maybe on your feed that, like has have mental illness issues as yeah. well. Like you're not afraid yeah. to say, Hey, listen, man, I'm going to therapy and this is how I feel. And like, it's just, I don't I've, know. I've gotten that. I've gotten that inspiration from my other friends that are going through mental health struggles and they'll just even say, I'm having a bad day today. And I know what that means. And, you know, it's not that, you know, I spilled coffee on my, on my lap or, you know, some, it means that I'm, I'm mentally having a rough day and I, and, and just hearing that from somebody, it feels like it gives me permission to say, Hey, I'm having a rough day too, you know? And that's part of the motivation for this podcast is to say, Hey, I had a shitty upbringing inside the church and somebody goes say, Hey, I did too. You know, Hey, do you want to talk about Carmen? <laughs> it's just like, you know, or, you know, stuff like that. And, um, I'm, I'm enjoying it up to this point so far, but, uh, yeah. Um, you say that that's the thing that, that kills me is that like, you say that I was so open back then, but I really like, right. I really wasn't. And, no. um, there was a lot of stuff that was going on and uh, that's part of the issue is that you're told that you're, you, if you're not allowed to talk about your beliefs, how are you able to talk about when something's actually wrong, you know, and uh, you weren't, your comfort level is not important. So therefore what's going on is not important. So 
And yeah. And I told my, you know, I told my mom when I was 15, uh, that I really needed therapy and, or like, I was really depressed and I really needed, um, I really needed help. And her response to me was to suck it up and that I had nothing to be depressed about. And so that was, that was the mindset of, of, of growing up, um, uh, in the household that I grew up in of your comfort level and what it means to somebody else. So, uh, yeah, I'm trying to get to that point in my life now where that, that dynamic is, is nowhere. It doesn't exist. Like I am, I do that with my kids. I'm open and honest with them and uh, with everything. Um, even about my childhood up to a point, you know, um, and even the world at large. And that's, that's, I just got off the phone with somebody before we got on about being open with their kids and they're doing the same thing I'm doing. And they're like, it's so rewarding to see our children flourish off of our honesty with them. Uh, and it's, it's, it's amazing. And I see you doing it with your kids and you're great, you know, um, Thank you. I'm proud, proud of you. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's great seeing, um, even somebody like, uh, her life and seeing her go to Peru. <laughs> I'm yeah, just I like, love- I'm like, I'm so proud of you. Like, I just remember you being like two, a year or two younger than me and hanging out and like, see where you are now. I'm just like, that's so awesome. And like, I'm so happy about it. So yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I never yeah, I, thought I would have made it to this point. So <laughs> I wonder, like, I, I also wonder, like, the other people that were part of the same experience, like, you know, we talked a little bit on the edges of what we experienced together. And even our experiences were, they had some cross themes in church, but what you dealt with in that church was different than what I dealt with. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, uh, you and so, it, it just, I, you know, the only stories that we really know about are, you know, you, me, but it'd be, it'd be interesting to see where all these people are now. Like, I feel yeah. like a well, lot kind of are closer. I would, I, I wonder if they're closer to where we are um, because it just seems to be a trend of people that we, you know, people that grew up in the movement around the same time that we grew up coming to the conclusions that we're coming to. Um, yeah. Um, I think, I think we're in a very polarized time and, um, I mean, that's just not me. I'm, I sound so stupid, like I'm talking philosophically, but, uh, you know, uh, it's very, we're very polarized as people. And I, I think over the last, um, and I've asked this question to everybody I've had on, um, of like what has changed and you've kind of already answered it, but like what has changed in your mind over the last, not just the last year, but also the last six years or so of how you view the church and the people inside of it. And it's, um, it's, it's been very eye opening <laughs> and to see how, cause we've interacted with some of these people, um, how they have dug in deeper to, whatever the fuck they're being fed. I don't even know anymore. And I've reconnected, uh, you know, I'm connected to the, the pastor that we all love there. His, yeah. His kids on. on oh, the, really? Okay. Yeah. 
I've been connected with them for a while. And one of them is still, um, still in the faith. And yeah. the other one is not. Okay. Um, uh, so, oh, no, the, the other two are not. Oh, so, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, it's just kind of interesting to see even that in those cases uh, uh, where they had, you know, the, a great, I think, a, a great experience. And of course, we don't know what their experiences were after they left. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It yeah. just, it doesn't matter what the experience is when you start seeing stuff. Or you just not, sometimes not even start seeing stuff. It's just, uh, you know, questioning things and realize that things don't, don't add up. You don't need to have a bad experience, obviously. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A, and I'm like, not, yeah, I'm not saying that everybody that went to church had like this, this, uh, this abusive uh, relationship. Uh, some of it just comes down to, Hey, I had questions and they told me to fuck off. And I was just like, okay. You know, and like, didn't mean to waste your time for the day. You know, I'll leave now. You well, know, that, so <laughs> I think that's the most like one. And I kind of alluded to this early, and earlier. One of the most uh, really fucking irritating things is that the first thing that the church jumps to when you describe your experience is that you must have been hurt by the church. It's not any other reasoning it's just that you yeah. are hurt by the church oh hey, yeah give, and i'm gonna hear it give me yeah, a second I here i need to give my kids hugs good night oh no that's fine you are a sinner you have god's word on it you will die and be cast into the lake of fire because of your sin All right, I'm back. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all know, you know, you and I both yeah. have the same philosophies on on families, man. Our kids are the most important things. Absolutely. To us. And that's yeah. why I appreciate seeing your your stuff too. And um, yeah, it's it's cool, you know, reconnecting after yeah. all this time. O other than just you know words on a screen to be able to talk <laughs> to these things out has yeah, been really. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. Um, you know, I said one of the things that was just is really irritating. I talk about oh, this all yeah. with my wife is just, you know, the first thing that people jump through is that, oh, you, you you've been hurt by the church. You shouldn't let bad people, you know, influence your your idea. And it's like, yeah, why do you jump to that? Like, it's almost like that's the easiest thing that they can comprehend as to why somebody would leave. Um, and I run into this, like with even people that I discuss that I don't have personal relationship with online, like in, in groups, is that they they just honestly have a hard time fathoming. So they'll do either the you were hurt by the church or you were never a true Christian. Like, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. like, no, I was. I mean, I was a pastor and it was the most mean. I thought, you know, I was in a relationship with Jesus, you know, all those yeah. things. Yeah. And to be told it's like another form of that gaslighting bullshit that we were talking about earlier. It's just like, there are so many complicated things that hold up a person's um, re religious faith expression and their, their reasoning that goes along with them and their beliefs and their community. It's a complicated mess. And to just, you know, assign something and say, that must be the reason yeah. or just pick yeah. something out, a cherry pick it out. It's just yeah. frustrating because it's like, no, that's, <laughs> that's yeah. not what it is. You know, once the veil is torn away and there are a lot of factors that go into that, as you know, the veil being torn away, 
it's ripped away. Like once you see see it, you can't unsee it. Once you stop believing those things, and you've logically figured out that 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 just isn't representative of, you know, the evidence that we have made available to us. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's, Unless there's no going back. <laughs> yeah. Um, Unless you're looking for a sense of community and that's what you're trying to get out of going to a church. I, I, I guess I don't really, I mean, I'm sure that's relevant for some people or status, you know, How about you? well, you know, you deconstructed at a different, you know, point yeah. of your life. You know, yeah. I, you know, I deconstructed as a pastor, which is a completely different experience was the community. Like, cause you, by the time you de- deconstructed, you had already yeah. basically left community behind, correct? Like the community wasn't valuable to you or did you miss, like, did you miss it at all when you left? I don't, I'm so introverted that like, it didn't really bother me. And like, everybody had kind of left, like you guys have gone off to college and uh you know i was kind of left behind not that that's anybody's fault but like uh like everybody had kind of left and i didn't replace it with anybody else in the church oh that's an interesting thing so they invited me back into the youth ministry uh the youth pastor did when they went to a different church and they had me come in and with a bunch of other adults and try to form some kind of youth council, youth group, whatever. There were like 10 of us or whatever. And it was such a weird situation because I was the youngest person there and everybody else was like 20 years older than me. And we were, we were, we were all sitting around a room praying and we're going from person to person. And it came to me and I, I just said, listen, there's going to be a point in time in each of these kids lives when they're going to need you to stand up for them. And they're going to need you to, to talk for them. And they're going to need you to listen. And it might not be comfortable and it might not be what you like to hear, but you're going to need to do it and understand that, you know, that they need you and your judgments aren't really needed. And that went over like a fart in a fart in church, basically. And I didn't go back to any of the youth, (laughs) the youth, uh, those, those group meetings anymore. Um, So that was kind of that. I don't want to say that was like finally ripping the bandaid off, but that was definitely like a, okay, this isn't what this is about you know, and uh, the stuff that really matters to me and dealing with youth doesn't really matter to you. And, um, you know, the things that kids are going through and the stuff that's actually going on in their life is, is secondary to you compared to whatever faith you want them to have. Um, so that really rubbed me the wrong way, especially coming from the background that I, that I had come from. And, um, yeah. And then I moved away and it was, it was, the community was, was pretty easy to, to leave behind. Um, there was some online stuff that I was still a part of. Um, but eventually that got really toxic when it came to, Hey, I have these questions about social justice and we didn't use those terms, but 
uh, social justice and, and how we interact with the church. And that was shot down and, and burnt to flames by everybody that was commenting on it for the most part or talking about it uh, on this message board that I was a part of community wise. Um, so yeah, um, after that went to shit, it was basically uh, I was by myself single and in the middle of Chicago, uh, middle of the Midwest and by myself and I lived that way for about six months and then I met my wife. So uh, yeah, but she doesn't understand any of this stuff. Uh, like, she doesn't have the same background, huh? Doesn't, I showed her Jesus. Did you, did you ever see the movie Jesus Camp? Yes. Yes. I showed her that movie and she had no, like, like it was, it was like the weirdest thing in the world to her and to me i was like hey i went to uh multiple camps like this <laughs> and <laughs> and and she, she's like what and i was like yeah i was just like i even spoke in tongues a few times and she's like what what are you talking to? like what did you say i was like i don't know you know <laughs> and it's just like we tried to have a conversation about it and like none of it none of it clicks but at the same time i can't understand i can't relate to her childhood either you know so uh there's certain things that it's okay not to be able to relate to your significant other over, but it's, um, she's supportive in this endeavor and, uh, I'm thankful for that. But, uh, for me, the community aspect was something I had to wrestle with. Cause obviously I was being, um, you know, that, was, yeah. Oh my God. Like I can't even imagine what that's, what that's like. I just, uh, Oh man. Yeah. I mean, I cause I, you know, when I had resigned from the church that I was pastoring, I knew there was probably a possibility that they they may decide to close the doors um, for financial reasons, et cetera. Um, but I, you know, wasn't sure until they actually took a vote on it, et cetera. Um, and so I always thought, oh, you know, I can always come back here, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if I, you know, just to stop in and, and see people keep in touch. And then obviously that dispersed everyone. Um, but that was one of the things I had to wrestle with because I was still, when I left, I was, I guess, probably going toward the path of agnosticism. Yeah. And I thought, well, and my wife hadn't deconstructed yet. She did deconstructed later. Um, so we had to wrestle with that as part of, you know, our relationship. And I was always just yeah. like, you know, this is important for you. I don't want to like, I'm willing to go find a church. Um, I might not go all the time, but if <laughs> yeah. it's important for you uh, and important for our family, I don't, I, yeah, I'm the dude that's like walking away at this point, throwing a monkey wrench and everything. So, but what, what, what wound up happening is that we wound up just like cherishing the family time on Sundays mm-hmm. of being together. And then she wound up deconstructing as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was one of the things I had to wrestle with is like, do I, can, I never had a community outside of that. Uh, and the experiences, and it was such a, the one that I was in, uh, I didn't think that I was going to be able to find somewhere else because I had been in other churches before. Mm-hmm. And I knew what, what the challenge would be to try to find something unique like that, uh, that was more progressive and tolerant. And I mean, I know that there are, you know. Universal uh, Unitarian, baby. Yeah, I actually visited one for the first time. Um, yeah, and that, I and thought that was, about it. I thought about it. it it's because we have one up the road from our house. And like, I'm just like, there's something like every time I drive by that, I'm like, 
you know why what's what's it gonna hurt and then part of me is like don't even don't even fucking go there like what are you <laughs> doing like like and it's it's a struggle like and that's something that like i don't talk to my wife about you know and it's it's you know it's there so uh now four or five years later it's not even something that i you know i i don't miss the community aspect now uh, that's uh, good. but there's yeah. that, yeah. that first the first year i did um yeah and you know you find it other places uh you know i've i found it yeah. with well what's nice is that we have close friends that were from our the church i pastored that also wound up deconstructing and leaving it behind. oh wow that's and so that's, that's kind cool. of become our our you know kind of our community these close friends uh this other couple that's raising kids our age as well so but yeah it's uh so messy you know we've you know i'm sure we could uh talk for days on yeah yeah it feels absolutely. like even like we you know i don't know how long we've been on maybe an hour and a half now but yeah you know we're i feel like we just scratched the surface in a lot oh ways. yeah absolutely i wanted to ask one more question since it's something very important to both of us what's what's it like raising children outside of faith compared to like what you were were raised with um that is a good question. <laughs> and, and I feel like that's even just a, a podcast in of itself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's really, it's really, um, relieving. Um, so when I, when I left, uh, you know, I still had it resolved where I stood on religious matters, but, you know, we just had this attitude. We have, you know, we obviously have family members that are still, you know, very much into Christianity. And so they're yeah. going to be interacting with these folks and they're grow- going to be growing up differently. Um, and so uh, we, we just kind of had this attitude of like, we're, we're not going to say anything negative about it uh, unless like something comes up where yeah. it's clearly like a harmful belief. I mean, they're so young now, but what, what, what was interesting to me is I always wanted to know with, with kids is when they start getting this idea of, of a God, if it's just taught to them or if it's something innate to them, because I always grew up believing it was something innate. It was always something that they would automatically come up with like a question about. Right. And my kids yeah. have never really, and we haven't hidden anything for them. They've read, they've come across like children's Bibles and they read, you know, a page or two from it, but they've never, ever been curious that there is some sort of deity. And, you know, I was spanked as a kid. Um, I, you know, that's not just necessarily a religious thing. We don't do that. Um, so really like having a positive, like reinforcement in terms of discipline and being open and honest and being like, no, these are your emotions. Let's yeah. talk about those emotions. Like it's, I mean, I'm not raising boys, but that would have been helpful for me as a, as a oh. growing <laughs> I don't think I'd be dealing with so much anger and stuff, you know, if I could have known that this was, you know, this was normal. Um, but yeah. like, especially with, I, I'm really doing that with these girls. Cause like, yeah. they're going to, they're, they're culturally, they're going to be told like women are more emotional and all this other nonsense. Yeah. Yep. And yep. I really want them. I, it's really great to be able to teach them. No, like this is what it means to be human. We all have these emotions. 
Yeah, you you have no idea. Well, maybe you do, but like, like my two my two boys, like their face when you tell them that their emotions and their feelings are valid and that they're allowed to have them and that you can relate to them is something that's that you can change that you see a change in their eyes and you can see that you've actually touched them and it's it's like oh my god I wish I would have had that when I was a kid you know and it's it's at the same time it's 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 helpful for me you know knowing that I'm providing that for somebody else um, when it wasn't provided for me. Um, so, but it's, it's, it's awesome to, to see those, those differences in the way you raise your kids compared to how you were raised. Um, but like just in the, the mindset of what faith or the church uh, brought into your upbringing. So, <laughs> and, and yeah, they, they never have to worry about being afraid they got left behind at the rapture. I don't know if you do. You, oh my God, we've talked about. <laughs> <laughs> um, it wasn't so much the Left Behind movies for me as much as it was the Thief in the Night. Those uh, are the ones that did it for me. Yep, yep, yeah. yep. <laughs> yeah, we we've we've talked a few times about um, uh, rapture anxiety. <laughs> of, uh walking into a room and nobody's in there and you think the rapture happened and you got left behind yeah uh yeah i've had that more than once in my life and it's something that still is um it messes with my and it, it, it i'm sure a lot of it has to do with uh you know with me being bipolar and and a, a couple other things of like that still being present in my life but it's still an issue if like I walk into the house and let's say and my wife's clothes are on the ground and like she's not standing there I'm like oh fuck she's been raptured <laughs> and I'm like wait that doesn't make any sense you know even for like a split second and I'm grateful that my children never have to have that fear in their life or the yeah. doubt are you really saved oh my god dude you're you know, getting all the points I man how many times did I read my life at, you know, those life, yep. you know, Florida or Utah or whatever we went to for those conferences. And I went down and recommit my life. Cause I want to make sure that he knew I was still there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Committed. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Like this public display is more important than a private one. Um, right. Yeah. I always hated those, man. Even though I always, I did them a lot of time. A lot of it was like, well, everybody else was doing it and I don't want to look like I'm perfect. So uh, I guess I got to go down and, and do this too sort of thing sometimes. But I do remember that uh, that uh, the Utah trip, which I'm sure we could talk about forever. Um, uh, yeah. But yeah, I'm very proud of the way that you are raising your children. Um, I, have a, I have a lot of dads that I'm friends with and all of them are stand-up fathers from what I know of them and not just on social media i'm talking about like in real life i don't have a lot of people that i'm friends with on social media that i that i've never met physically in this world um so yeah um i'm proud of you and i'm proud of how you've come out of this um and yeah i i think you're handling it the right way and 
everybody handles it differently and I'm glad that you're still on top of it. So. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Um, I appreciate your kind words. It's, uh, it's definitely, like you said, it's therapeutic to know that, you know, our stories are so different, but they have the same strains and yeah, mm -hmm. it's helpful. Like just to be able to, you know, go back and talk and reminisce and, and like, it's not even just like the stuff that we talked about that were, was just like the, the things that were so meaningful and powerful to us, the people that were so meaningful and powerful to us. It just as a reminder of like the goodness of humanity in a lot of ways, like that one comment you made of that, that guy would have been meaningful to you as a mentor, regardless of the religious aspect. And that's so true. It's just yeah. people, being, people being good people and like being a, being a dad has completely probably changed me more than any, like any religious, you know, seeing the world yeah. through my daughter, seeing the world through my daughter's eyes, not only because they're my kids, but because they're my daughters and I'm seeing it from a non-male perspective and being mm -hmm. concerned about things that I wasn't concerned about being a white man, like, yeah. you know, just being able to take the time, and consider those things is just like it changes you. My kids always remind me of how fucked up I am. Like, you know, <laughs> it, like, literally they don't, they don't say that, but I yeah. see like things that I, that like when I'm getting frustrated and the way I deal with it, I'm like, ah, I got to remember that. I don't want them to pick up that same bad habit that yeah. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I go through that. Just, I go through that all the time. And, uh, yeah, because one of my kids is more like me. I don't know if you have that. Oh yeah, we have. Uh, and and I'm like, I've told my wife because my oldest son is just like her. I'm like, I can't fucking deal with two of you in the house. Like, <laughs> I, I can't do it. Like, he can barely handle you as it is. I can't handle uh, somebody else that has is is the same like stubbornness and like I it's and it's just driving me crazy right now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah yeah uh yeah but i really i'm uh, i really do mean that that i i am proud of you thanks so, it's been yeah. fun <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm gonna cut a lot of this down and uh but i think the core core uh core of it will remain intact um but yeah I it's really a lot of material it. <laughs> i i enjoyed this so much i definitely want to do it again Thank you so much to Tim for his time and his and his friendship over the years. I appreciate both. And uh, join us next week. We're going to have a very special topic that I'm very excited for. And I just talked to the guys before I hopped on to record this. And uh, we discussed a little bit of it. And it's going to be out of this world. And I think you'll enjoy it. So from Chrissy, Donovan and I, we'd like to thank you for joining us again. 
You can follow me on Instagram at ChazXCure or at 17 underscore seconds. You can also listen to my other podcast, The Holy Hour, where Gavin, Donald, and I discuss all things cure-related. You can follow Donovan's other podcasts, Laughing With You, Not At You, where him and his wife discuss being parents and mental health struggles, and I'm told sometimes they cry. You can follow the podcast at XCOMPOD on Instagram, where you can also find our Facebook group, The Excommunication Station. And I'd like to thank the band Iron Chic for letting us use their song, Those Heads Are Our Heads, for our intro and outro music. You can follow them on Bandcamp uh, or any other social media platforms. Iron, C-H-I-C, Iron Chic. Now everyone rise, grab the hand of the person next to you, and say, I like my looks. I like my personality. Second that.